Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Wind and rain on the way. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. We've got flooding rains and damaging winds arriving tomorrow. Weather watcher Al Roker. Winds are going to be a big problem. Widespread power outages, moderate risk Tuesday for flooding. We're talking about in the northeast, upwards of four to five inches of rain on top of the snow that's fallen. Lots of problems, flooding, tornadoes, high winds. It's going to be a real mess over the next 48 hours. This storm comes on the heels of a nasty nor'easter that paralyzed parts of the listening area over the weekend. Hundreds of flights canceled today, days after United and Alaska Airlines grounded some Boeing 737s because of a door that ripped off the side of a plane 16,000 feet in the air. Here's reporter Tom Costello. A critical discovery after that very close call in the skies. I'm excited to announce that we found the door plug. The NTSB saying overnight a teacher in Portland contacted investigators after he found the missing piece, a door plug, in his backyard. Two days after the decompression explosion at 16,000 feet, which twisted and bent nearby seats and sucked the headrests and cushions out of the 737 MAX 9. The hair- incident happened on an Alaska Airlines flight from Portland, Oregon to California on Friday with 177 souls aboard. Aviation officials say it's a miracle. Nobody got sucked out of the aircraft. The Iowa caucuses are just a week away. That's when the first votes will be cast in the 2024 presidential election. Former President Donald Trump remains in the driver's seat in the GOP. The battle begins in Iowa on January 15th and Joe Biden's banana republic ends on November 5th, 2024. Real Clear Politics has Trump with a more than 30-point lead over the crop of Republican presidential contenders, political analyst Josh Kroshauer. Trump is in dominant position in Iowa. The news out of Iowa is not going to be a close race. Democratic strategist John Delaney. President Trump turns out two types of voters. He turns out Republican primary voters who are particularly loyal to him, and he turns out Democrats. Steph Knight with Axios says for President Biden to win re-election, his key demographics need to show up big time at the polls in November. They need young people to turn out and vote. They need racial minorities to turn out and vote. And these are the areas where we're seeing people start to lose faith in President Biden. President Biden's in Charleston, South Carolina today where he's making an appeal to black voters in a speech at a church where nine parishioners were shot to death by a white supremacist in 2015. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin still hospitalized after he was secretly admitted for a minor operation, then went home and had to be readmitted to the ICU for severe pain. Neither the president nor Congress nor any of the top military leaders were told about this for many days. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Common sense would say if you're in charge of the military, not being there I think is a dereliction of duty and a real problem and shows bad judgment because if this guy is going to be making the judgment about our military encounters it makes you wonder if he just goes missing for a week and doesn't tell anybody that doesn't sound like he's up and fit for the office. The 70 year old Austin was admitted on New Year's Day to the Walter Reed Medical Center. The Defense Department kept his condition under wraps for five days. A Republican led House Committee begins impeachment proceedings
games this week against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The GOP accuses Mayorkas of violating his oath by failing to stem the flow of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. That impeachment hearing will start on Wednesday. Mayorkas is at the southern border today. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is seeking $700 million from bus companies that transport migrants from Texas to the Big Apple. He's suing to keep those bus trips from happening. Here's Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The mayor sued the wrong party. Uh, if, if the mayor really is trying to cut down on the number of illegal immigrants coming into New York, he needs to be suing Joe Biden, not these bus companies, because it's Joe Biden and Joe Biden's policies that's causing the massive influx into the United States. The U.S. Justice Department is also suing Texas over a law that allows police to arrest illegal immigrants. Last year set a record for the number of unlawful encounters at our southern border. The first mission to the moon in more than 50 years is underway. Five, four, three, we have ignition and liftoff of the first United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket, launching a new era in spaceflight to the moon and beyond. The unmanned lunar lander blasted off early this morning from Cape Canaveral. The spacecraft expected to touch down on the surface of the moon on February 23rd. Grab the remote and some chips and salsa, a college football champ will be crowned tonight. Here's reporter Erica Herskowitz. It's a battle of the best. J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines take on Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies in college football's national championship game in Houston tonight. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh says his team's up for the challenge. To be the best, you gotta, you got to beat the best, so you know, that's our mindset and we're ready to have at it. Same goes for the Huskies, says Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer. These guys are on a mission, and uh, they know that a big part of the mission is being in those moments, so we're ready for the next one. Tonight's game marks the final national title game before the college football playoff expands from four teams to 12. The Washington Huskies haven't won it all since since 1991, the Michigan Wolverines are gunning for their first national championship since 1997. Still to come on the noon report for a Monday, flood concerns rising. Winds will be whipping and taking the pen out of Pennsylvania. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Though the week is off to a quiet start, we've got another tempest brewing. In fact, several down the road. Forecast details are coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll look for you then. The cleanup continues from the nasty nor'easter that dumped over a foot of snow on parts of the listening area. Rain tomorrow on top of that snow will cause some flooding concerns. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. It may just be rain, but very, very heavy rain. And if that's on top of snow or melting snow, uh, there is a high risk of flooding. And we could get three to six inches of rain on Tuesday. That is a lot of rain. Those winds will be whipping too tomorrow, especially along the Lake Erie and Ontario shoreline, where gusts could exceed 70 miles an hour. Meteorologist Mike Doyle with WIVB-TV in Buffalo. A few of those holiday decorations outside, either deflate them or maybe time to bring them inside. Because again, for our Tuesday, that's when we are going to see winds gust around 65 to around 70 miles per hour. We will see some tree damage. Power lines will be down. The National Weather Service has issued 
a high wind warning through early Wednesday along the Lake Erie and Ontario shoreline. Governor Hochul delivers her third State of the State address tomorrow in Albany. That 1 p.m. speech will outline her legislative priorities for 2024. Republican State Senator Jake Ashby says the governor needs to focus on affordability issues. Whether it's housing, whether it's property taxes, New York has become an unattainable place for working families to really prosper as they did, you know, not even a decade ago. And we need to look at that in a holistic way in the legislature, not a one-party way. New York led the nation last year in out-migration. The Empire State could lose up to two more seats in Congress in the next census if the population trend continues. The New York State Senate Health Committee is considering legislation today that provides abortions free of charge to out-of-staters. Pro-lifers argue the bill treats abortion as if it's health care and pregnancy like it's a disease. The state already funds abortions through Medicaid. A similar effort to provide free abortions for out-of-staters was narrowly defeated last year in New York. The Biden White House has ordered the removal of a statue of William Penn from an historic park in Philadelphia. That move is meant to showcase more Native American contributions in the Keystone State. Here's reporter Cheryl Cassoni. A statue of Penn is set to be removed from a park that sits atop his former home. Working with several local tribes, Indian tribes, the park is now going to, quote, be more welcoming, they say, more accurate and inclusive. The call for public feedback already has over 500 responses on X, formerly Twitter. One post says, my input is defund and disband the National Park Service. William Penn founded Pennsylvania in 1681 and was notorious for his amicable relations with Indian tribes. Still, the National Park Service says it wants to provide a more welcoming and inclusive experience for visitors at that Philadelphia park. The 108th annual Pennsylvania Farm Show continues this week at the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg. It is the largest indoor agricultural expo anywhere in America. Over the weekend, students from the Milton Hershey School District took part in a cattle competition. District spokesman Peter Tantillo. Combined classroom and hands-on really gives what uh, any person in the real world having any job would have. Melanie Bartholomew is a senior in the Milton School District and thinks competition is a great way to put education into practice. You just experience it firsthand versus in a textbook. Oh, you just read about it. That's that's that. You don't know all the hard work, the work ethic that it creates. Tantillo hopes the competitions at the farm show will inspire the next generation of farmers in the Commonwealth. We have to learn a lot about new things and we're trying to teach these uh, next generations to carry that foot forward to uh, make sure that we do have a, a world to live in. The farm show continues through Saturday in Harrisburg. There is no cost to attend. Parking is $15. The Buffalo Bills are celebrating their fourth straight AFC East title with a 21-14 win over the Miami Dolphins in the regular season finale last night. Bills safety 
Kathy Micah High. This team is resilient. This team is uh, this team is special. And you know, when our backs were against the wall at six and six, um, somehow, some way, we found a way, and, and we've just been rolling since. Last night's victory gave the Bills the number two seed in the playoffs. They'll take on the Pittsburgh Steelers next Sunday in Buffalo. The Philadelphia Eagles, meantime, got the fifth seed in the NFC playoffs. They do battle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Monday night in Florida. It's one of the best spectacles in all of sports. We're talking about the annual Hershey Bears Teddy Bear Toss. Last night's broke a new record at the Giant Center in Hershey, PA. Ali Barubi is the sports director for ABC 27. The spectacle, something that never gets old, no matter how many times the Hershey Bears host this event. Thousands, tens of thousands of bears here on the ice will then be distributed to over 35 different charities in the mid-state. Hershey Bears captain Dylan McElrath. This is uh, such an awesome event just to see that everyone turn out and just support the cause. It's, it's record-breaking stuff that Hershey does every year. We keep uh, topping it and if this is your first time it's pretty incredible. I know my first time two years ago was uh, you just got to really be here to witness it. 74,599 bears were tossed on the ice during last night's game against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Well, if you're like most, losing weight and getting into shape tops your New Year's resolution list. Dr. Nicole Belanger-Reynolds at SUNY Upstate Medical Center says the key to shedding those unwanted pounds is eating right. Nutrition is most important, especially if one is trying to to lose weight. Again, most of us can improve our nutrition. Increasing water can help as well. Increasing vegetables and fruit and lean protein, uh, healthy grains, uh, those types of things most of us can work on. You are what you eat, or so they say. The Albany area-based healthcare expert says it's important to note that food is not neutral. What you put into your mouth, she says, will help or hurt your overall health. We pause now. Next for sports, it's the two-minute drill on the Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, maybe they should be called the Cardiac Bills. Buffalo won their fourth straight AFC East title with a 21-14 win over Miami. Josh Allen, 30 of 38 for 359 yards and two touchdowns. But he was picked off twice in the red zone and he fumbled once. It wasn't until Deontay Hardy scored on a 96-yard punt return early in the fourth quarter to tie the game at 14 that you sensed a momentum switch. The Bills' defense stepped up big in the fourth, shutting down a potent Miami offense. The Bills, your AFC East champs, and the number two seed in the playoffs. They'll host Pittsburgh in round one. The Giants were the team that looked like they were heading to the playoffs as they dominated the Philadelphia Eagles 27-10. Philly was down 24-zip late in the second quarter before several of their starters were pulled. For the G-Men, Tyrod Taylor completed 23-32 passes for two 297 yards and a touchdown, also one pick. Saquon Barkley ran for 97 yards and a score. For the Eagles, they have dropped five of their last six as they stumble into the playoffs as the number five seed. The Jets knocked off the Patriots 17-3 on the strength of 178 yards rushing by Brees Hall. Hall scored on a 50-yard touchdown run. The Jets finish up the season 7-10. Bengals beat the Browns 31-14, Detroit 30-20 over Minnesota. Tennessee 
Tennessee eliminated Jacksonville from postseason play with a 28-20 win. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, thank you kindly. And still to come on the Noon Report for a Monday, Moon Mission, Scare in the Air, and Austin's Absence. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. It's not uncommon to hear artificial intelligence described as a new tool. What all technological tools have in common is that they help us accomplish a task. Some tools, however, also have the potential to change the task at a fundamental level. This is among the challenges that's presented to us by AI. If the end it is helping us achieve more efficiently is not clear, this emerging technology will be easily abused. AI's potential impact on education is a prime example. Since the days of Socrates, the goal of education has been not just for students to gain knowledge, but also for them to gain the wisdom and experience to use that knowledge well. In a recent article over at The Hill, however, English professor Mark Massaro described a quote-unquote wave of chatbot cheating now making it nearly impossible to grade assignments or to know whether or not students completed them. In addition to hurting the dishonest students who aren't learning anything like they should be, attempts to flag AI-generated assignments, a process that's often powered by AI itself, has the potential also of yielding false positives that would bring honest students under suspicion. Some professors are responding by attempting to make peace with the technology, encouraging students to use AI-generated scaffolding to construct their essays. However, this is kind of like legalizing drugs. There's little evidence that it can cut down on the abuse. Of course, there's no sense in trying to put the AI genie back into the bottle. For better or worse, it's a technology, like most technologies, that once it's here, it's here to stay. We have to develop an ability to evaluate its legitimate uses from its illegitimate uses. In other words, we have to know what AI is for before we go on experimenting with what it can do. Now, that's first going to require that we know what human beings are for. For example, Genesis is clear and research confirms that human beings are made to work. After the fall, toil by the sweat of our brow is now part of that work. So the best human inventions throughout history are the tools that reduce needless toil, that blunt the effects of the curse, and that restore some sort of dignity to those who are doing the hard work. So we should ask whether or not a given application of AI helps to achieve worthy human goals. For example, teaching students or accurately reporting the news or if it instead is offering shady shortcuts and clickbait instead. Will it restore dignity to our human work, or will it leave us like the squishy and squashy passengers of the ship in Pixar's WALL-E, coddled, fed, entertained, and utterly useless? And perhaps most importantly, we have to govern what AI is doing in our relationships. Already, our most impressive human inventions, think of the printing press, the telephone, and the internet, facilitated more rapid and more accurate human communications. But they also, in ways, left us more isolated and disconnected, especially from those that are closest to us. That's especially the case with the internet. And obviously, artificial intelligence carries even greater capacity to replace human communication and even relationships. In a sense, the most important questions we need to ask ourselves as we enter this age of AI are not new questions. We have to ask, what are humans for? And how is it that we can love one another well? These questions won't easily untangle every ethical dilemma associated with artificial intelligence, but they can help us to distinguish between the tools designed to help us fulfill the creation mandate and the technologies designed to rewrite that mandate. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. 
Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. If you're a fan of Breakpoint, leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. This is the Noon Report. Let's take it outside next. Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Pretty quiet. Clouds, limited sun. High temps, 30s. We drop into the 20s tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy. And precipitation will arrive across the area. Snow, sleet, and rain becoming all rain and continuing into the night. Flooding concerns, especially for eastern Pennsylvania. Strong wind concerns as well, especially for areas near Lake Erie. High temperatures tomorrow, 30s and low 40s. Rising will the temperatures overnight tomorrow night. Then drop on Wednesday with leftover rain showers changing to snow showers. All right, Kevin, thank you. The weather remains our top story for Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. As Kevin mentioned, flooding rains, damaging winds all in the offering tomorrow and Wednesday. The wet on top of the white will cause flooding and those winds will gust to near 70 miles per hour at times. Downwind of the Great Lakes, there are flood advisories and wind warnings in effect from tomorrow through early Wednesday. Investigators have recovered a crucial piece of evidence as they continue to probe what could have been an aviation disaster in the skies over Oregon on Friday. Here's reporter Chris Van Clee. It was a 63-pound piece of the plane known as a plug door blowing out at 16,000 feet, leaving a gaping hole, forcing the 171 passengers and six crew to don oxygen masks. In Alaska, we need to return back to Portland. The door was found late Sunday night. Thank you, Bob. Bob contacted us. He found it in his backyard. NTSB Chair Jennifer Homendy. It's incredibly important. It's a part of a puzzle. The FAA has grounded hundreds of Boeing 737 MAX 9s while it investigates what caused that door to blow off mid-flight. They use these planes as workhorses on short to medium long-haul routes. And as a result, you know, you just can't go out and get replacement airplanes. They're going to have to perform a scheduled triage here to substitute aircraft or in many cases cancel flights entirely. Aviation expert Peter Greenberg. You can expect that the investigation will go beyond just the planes that have been grounded and go back to the assembly line at Boeing to see if there was something systemic that happened during the assembly line that may be applying to other airplanes. The MAX 9s are used primarily by Alaska and United Airlines. Countdown to the caucuses, the Iowa caucuses just a week away. Political strategist Terry Schilling explains what a caucus is anyhow. Basically, everyone has to show up at the same time. It's usually at 8 p.m. Uh, when everyone can get there after work and you vote together in the same room with everyone. It's not a one and done. You don't show up and then leave. Uh, that's the difference between a caucus and, and a primary election. The latest Real Clear Politics poll has former President Trump with a large lead over his Republican rivals. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis warns if Republicans pick Trump... I think it's going to be a really nasty election. I don't think that puts Republicans in a good position to win. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley agrees. Chaos follows him. But she says attacking Trump isn't the way to win. For those that want me to hit Trump more, I just am not going to do it. Recent polls show Trump leading in Iowa by double digits. <laughs> Thanks to longtime supporters like Gary Leffler. President Trump restored the American dream to every American. Part of a far more organized campaign 
than the last time he ran here. Correspondent Ed O'Keefe, Defense Secretary Austin, says he takes full responsibility for not disclosing his hospitalization last week. The 70-year-old was in intensive care for several days following complications from an elective procedure. Oklahoma Republican James Langford sits on the Senate Intelligence Committee. It's pretty shocking because when you're the Secretary of Defense, you need to make everyone aware that you're actually going to be out of pocket. It's worse than just he didn't notify the White House. They actually notified the White House that he was working from home during that time period when he was actually hospitalized. The National Security Council didn't know it. The White House didn't know it. Congress didn't know it. Austin was admitted New Year's Day to the Walter Reed Medical Center. Secretary of State Blinken in Israel today after meeting with Arab leaders about their role in a post-war Gaza. The stop does follow conversations in both Jordan, Qatar, and a number of other locations, including the UAE, where Blinken was reportedly firm about the U.S. position that Palestinians should not be displaced from Gaza. Jordan's King Abdullah II warned of dangerous repercussions if the war does continue. Trey Yangst reporting today marks day 94 of the war between Israel and Hamas. For the first time in more than 50 years, the U.S. is going back to the moon. With the historic launch today of a Vulcan rocket at Cape Canaveral, if all goes according to plan, the lunar lander should touch down on the surface of the moon in late February. That rocket includes hair samples from three former U.S. presidents, along with the remains of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and several actors from the TV series. Next at noon, Missions Pulse. It's a new feature on Family Life that focuses on missions here at home and around the world. Listening for the heartbeat of the gospel. This is Missions Pulse from Family Life News, connecting you with ministries and outreaches that are active in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We're talking with Rob Myers of Door International, which has a very unique angle on doing Christian ministry. Door is involved in deaf ministry and helping people share the gospel and be church to folks who do not have the ability to hear. Tell us a little bit about what DOOR's focus and mission is. Sure. Thanks, Greg. So DOOR primarily focuses on deaf people as an unreached people group. What what uh, many people don't realize is that there are 70 million deaf people worldwide and very, very few of them, even here in the U.S., have access to the gospel and know Christ. The Some of the estimates are uh, that less than 2% of deaf people are believers, and that often surprises people. The reason that deaf people are cut off from the gospel turns out to be connected to some assumptions that we often have about deaf people. If we were to imagine that we became deaf right now, and that we didn't have access to sound information, then we would shift to written information. We would get all of our information from reading. But what we don't realize is that reading's actually a sound-based activity. When we learned to read, we actually had previously growing up become, become fluent in English or fluent in the spoken language that was around us. We heard it, we responded to it. And then when we go to read, we're sounding out letters that are connected to words that are a part of a language that we already know. 
but that's not true for deaf people. Deaf people grow up, and in many cases, uh, I think the estimates are around 80% of households in the U.S., deaf children with hearing parents, most of those hearing parents never learn to communicate with their deaf children. They never learn sign language, and the deaf children don't have the ability to hear spoken language and then repeat it. That means our, our assumption that, well, deaf people can have full access to written language, so in order to get them the gospel, we just need to get them written information. That turns out not to be true. And so you actually have to shift your focus entirely Instead of thinking of deafness as a disability, though that's what it is, it's the only disability that when children are born that way, they're cut off from the language of their family and they suddenly become part of a new language group, a language group that's using sign language. It's a different vantage point to say that this is like reaching out across cultures to do that, but that really is what's happening. I can imagine many of our listeners being shocked, being surprised, being horrified that among deaf people, only 2% faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. That's right. And and right now, to add a little bit more picture, if, if you think about deaf people mostly only having access to sign language resources, then you may ask, for example, well, do deaf people have access to the Bible in sign language? And there are about 375 sign languages around the world, and only 25% of those sign languages right now have any scripture work that has been done. So in other words, 75% of sign languages still don't have a single verse translated. So it's only been within the past 30 or 40 years that deaf ministry has really begun to develop that we've seen deaf leaders trained and really begin to be out there in the field, sharing the gospel, helping communities do Bible translation in various sign languages, and really seeing the gospel spread in amazing ways now uh, within those communities. Rob, our listeners could certainly support the ministry of DOOR with our prayers. How else can we connect or be supportive of what you are accomplishing? We would just encourage people to spread the word about the need for deaf ministry. Let people know that this is an exciting, it's a new area, but it's been an area that's been a, a need for so long, and we could only do what we do now with modern technology. So this appears to be God's timing for this people group at this time to begin to really see the gospel penetrate and spread within their communities. Our guest is Rob Myers. His ministry is called Door International, and the website is doorinternational.org. Rob, thank you so much for sharing your heart for sharing the gospel with our Family Life listeners today. All right, Greg Gillespie, thank you very much. The name of the feature, Missions Pulse. You can hear it Mondays during the Noon Report or online anytime. Just go to familylife.org slash news. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Almost quiet on the weather scene now, but got another storm system on the way. It'll be different than the one over the weekend, which was snow for most, ice for some. This will be more of a mix of snow and ice going to rain and plenty of it. Maybe some flooding issues and some wind issues as well. This will be later Tuesday into Wednesday, so buckle in. And that's not the end of the story of storms down the road. But for this afternoon, pretty quiet. Clouds, limited sun, high temps, 30s. We drop into the 20s tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy. 
and precipitation will arrive across the area. Snow, sleet, and rain becoming all rain and continuing into the night. Flooding concerns, especially for eastern Pennsylvania. Strong wind concerns as well, especially for areas near Lake Erie. High temperatures tomorrow, 30s and low 40s. Rising will the temperatures overnight tomorrow night, then dropping on Wednesday with leftover rain showers changing to snow showers. All right, Kevin Williams, busy guy at the Weather Center. And finally at noon, today's the day to spruce up your desktop. And by desktop, I mean your literal desktop. Here's Family Life's Brian Quirk. Did you make a resolution to be more organized in 2024? Well, you're in luck. Today is National Clean Off Your Desk Day. It's a day for cleaning the clutter off the top of your desk and giving your workspace a good cleaning. The ultimate goal of the day seems to be to help you get your main work surface clean and tidy to help you in being more productive and organized. So if you're drowning in used pens and year-old paperwork, this day could be just what you need to help you stop costing yourself valuable time and lost productivity. Not sure where to start? Don't leave things stationary. Move things off your desk, wipe it off, and minimize clutter, putting things back. A clean desk might be just the highlight you need to start off each day on a good note and be the ruler of your workspace. Brian Query, Family Life News. And Brian Query, one of the few guys left that still uses a ruler. Thank you very much, sir. And that's the world we live in. Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.